Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you. It's already been an incredible morning. Um, And so I'm so excited you're here with us as we wrap up week number four. We're wrapping up this series we've been working our way through called Simplify. And we wanted to end this series with a baptism service. And even as we saw people take that step already in, in the first service this morning, baptism raises a profound question about the human condition. And the question is, can people change? Can people change? Uh, The way you answer that question for yourself and what you believe about what the answer is to that question will shape what you believe is possible for your future and what you believe is possible that, that can happen in your life. And so if you look at this question, you think about our world and the world of HR, if you work in human resources, you know the answer to that question is clearly no, right? In fact, very famously, if, you, if you're in the HR uh, world, a famous line they say is, the best indicator of what you will do in the future, well, the best indicator of what a person will do in the future is what they have always done in the past. And so that's why if you're conducting an interview, you don't ask people, what would you do hypothetically if you found yourself in this situation? What you ask is, tell me about a time when you were in this situation and tell me what you did. Because the best indicator of what a person will do in the future is what they've always done in the past, because people don't really change. If you're in marriage therapy, any good marriage therapist will tell you the answer to that is no, right? People don't really change. You can't get married to someone thinking that eventually they're going to change. That's a setup for a terrible marriage, right? And you can't change another person. You can't change your spouse because people, basically, we really don't change, What's interesting is you, as you go to the New Testament of the Bible and you begin to read it, in some ways the Bible kind of agrees that, that really people can't change themselves. We can't change ourselves and we can't really change other people. But what you find when you read the Bible is story after story after story of encounter after encounter after encounter where people meet Jesus and Jesus changes people. In fact, that's really the whole point of the Bible. It all points to Jesus. And and really, it's only he that can change people. Jesus is the only thing in our world. It's the only thing that actually can fundamentally really change people from the inside out. And so I want to talk a little bit this morning about how does Jesus do that? How does Jesus actually change a human life? How does he work in our lives to actually make that happen? And if you were here with us at the very beginning of this series, the Simplify series, we, we started out with an equation. If you remember, and, and the equation was heart plus habits equals hope. That's what we said. Heart plus habits equals hope. In other words, there is a point or a moment where Jesus changes our hearts, right? And then, when we, and then there's also a process that's added to that. Uh, where we have habits that are put in place in our lives that help us change. And that's what actually leads to hope for our future. Any kind of real change has to to be about heart plus habits equals hope. That's how it works in our lives. And so um, I wanna look today at the book of Colossians. And so if you've got your Bible, you can turn there with us. And we're gonna be walking through Paul's words to the church in Colossae. Last week, we looked at the church in Laodicea, remember that? And Colossae was the city that was just a little bit to the south of them. And Colossae was a very different city than Laodicea. They were actually in a time of decline when Paul wrote this letter to the church there. And they were dealing with the fact that there was this pagan, all these pagan idols and this pagan worship that was infiltrating their, their city. And so there was this thriving church though of Jesus followers that were meeting in the home of a guy named Philemon. 
And so Paul is writing to the church that meets there in his home. And he's talking about, here's how you actually experience transformation from the pagan world that you live in. Here's how Jesus actually changes our lives and transforms us more and more into his image. Okay, so here's where we're gonna begin. Colossians 2, starting in verse six. This is what he says. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. So what Paul's saying there is he says, there's this moment where we accept Jesus, right? That's the moment coming to a place where we accept Jesus. That's where our hearts are changed. But then he says, from there, you must continue to grow your roots down deep in him and let your lives be built on him. So he talks about this moment, this point at which our hearts are changed where we accept Jesus, but then there's also this process that keeps going on where we are continuing to follow Jesus and that's at the habit level of our lives. The things really begin to change over the long period in our lives. He goes on, uh, verse 12, he says, for you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. And with him, you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all our sins. And so what Paul's doing there is he's talking about baptism. This thing that we're celebrating this this morning, he's saying baptism is a point. That's what it is. Baptism is a moment. It's this moment that symbolizes this heart change, this inward heart change that has happened within us. And and he's describing the symbolism of what baptism means when he talks about how you were buried with Christ in baptism and then you were raised to a new life with him. Just as Jesus died on the cross to forgive our sins and pay the price for us and then he was buried, when we go down in the waters of baptism, we are basically saying, I'm dying to my old life. I'm dying to this idea that I can change myself and I can fix myself. And just like Jesus was raised from the grave to this new life, just like we were singing about this morning, when we come up out of the water, we're basically symbolically saying, I'm living a new life. Jesus made us alive. That's the symbolism of baptism. That's a moment. That's a powerful moment that happens in our lives where we experience transformation. Uh, But so if you're taking notes, I would encourage you to write down this statement. Our hearts change around sacred moments and sacred commitments. That's really how our hearts change around sacred moments and sacred commitments. What do I mean by that? Uh, This is why you dressed up and took pictures on your wedding day. The, the reason you dressed up and took pictures on your wedding day, the reason you, somewhere if you're married, you have this photo album for, that you look at once a year, you know, on your anniversary, you go back and look at all the pictures is because that was a sacred moment in your life where you made a sacred commitment. And that, that moment, that point represented an internal heart change. You were committing your life to, to that person, to loving that person for the rest of your life. If I ask you to tell me about the day your first child was born, you wouldn't say to me, I, I, don't, I don't really remember that day. I think I, may, I took some notes though. Hang on a second. Maybe I could get some, if I can read my notes to you, then maybe you'll know what that day was like. No, you wouldn't say that. If I said, tell me about the day your first child was born, you, just, you would just start talking about it because that day is written on your heart. You, you would say, oh yeah, man, it started early in the morning, her water broke and then I was freaking out. I had to get her to the hospital. You just start telling it. 
The reason you can remember that without having notes is because that was a sacred moment in your life where you made a sacred commitment. The moment you saw that child, you made this commitment. You knew inwardly, I'll, I'll give my life, I'll do anything I, I have to do to love them and raise them. And yet, if you think about it, just because you got married doesn't mean you became a good spouse, right? Can I get an amen to that or at least an elbow to the person sitting next to you? <laughs> just because you had that sacred moment, that wedding day where you dressed up and took pictures doesn't mean you eventually developed into a good husband or a good wife. Just because you had a child doesn't mean that you eventually became a good parent. And in the same way, just because you get baptized doesn't automatically transform you into the image of Jesus so that you, you transform and you look more and more like him. That's not how it works. And so our hearts change around sacred moments and sacred commitments, but it, uh, go ahead to the next one there. Our lives actually change around intentional habits that flow out of a transformed life, or out of a transformed heart. Our lives change around intentional habits that are daily, that are incremental, that are purposeful and intentional that actually help us that live out of this transformed heart that happens in our lives. Paul talks about that. Go ahead to Colossians 3, 5. He says this, so put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. I love that language of put to death. So he just, he just got through talking about baptism. You know, baptism, we are made alive again. God made you alive again with Jesus. And then the very next thing he says is, so put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. And so if you've been with us this last month, you know we've talked about this whole idea. It was simplify, that we have to get to a place in our lives where we actually simplify our lives to follow Jesus. And we have to, to simplify in order to kind of get away from immorality and from greed and, and the way that the world basically pulls us into this narrative that the world has for us for what leads to happiness and what leads to a good life. And so we've talked about this idea, we have to have this ongoing process that happens where we daily, incrementally, and on purpose, we put habits into our lives that help shape us more and more into the image of Jesus. So what I wanna do in just the next few minutes, I just wanna give you three habits that help us live out of a transformed life. This is, these are three habits that help us live out the transformation that Jesus lives in us. I've, I've heard it said about habits that first we form our habits and then our habits form us. And I think that's really true. What happens is our, our hearts get changed and then we, we put habits into our lives and over a period of time, daily, incrementally, over a period of time, those habits actually shape and form us and form our lives. So these are the three habits. First one is this, put God first. Put God first, that's a habit. That's a habit that you put into everything in your life. And that can play itself out in several ways. Uh, it, can, it can play itself out with decisions. You get to a big decision in life, put God first. I mean, stop and step back from that moment, step back from that decision and see God and say, what do you want me to do? And put him first before you make a decision. In the context we've been talking about in this series, uh, Simplify, we've been talking about our wealth and our possessions. What it means to put God first is to engage with the biblical principle of tithing. And uh, maybe you're not sure what that word means. It's kind of a churchy word. You don't really hear the word tithe outside a church ever. The word tithe actually means a tenth. 
That's what, it, that's what it means. And so the tithing is this habit. It's this practice we get into of returning back to God the first 10% of whatever he blesses us with. The first 10% of our income, we, we return it right back to God. Sometimes in scripture, it's referred to as the first fruits. The tithe is talked about as the first fruits. You're returning the first fruits of the crops that would come in. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says that Jesus was the first fruits of the resurrection of those who were being raised from the dead. That he was like God's tithe, essentially, and that all the rest of us would, would uh, be raised from the dead from that. So it's this idea of returning God to God the first 10% of our income. So why do we do that? We've talked about it this whole month. The reason we have to do that and we have to put God first in the area of our finances is because Jesus said the number one competitor for our hearts is not our time, it's not our friendships, you know, it's not our hobbies or our talents or any of that kind of stuff. The number one competitor for our hearts is our wealth and our possessions. So we have to put God first. A lot of times um, people will, will talk about tithing and they'll say things like, well, man, I'd love to tithe. I, I wish I could, but you know, I get to the end of the month, I just don't have anything left over. Maybe someday. And, and if, you're, if that's the way you're thinking, you're, un, you're misunderstanding the point because you always have the first 10%, right? Everybody can tithe because everybody, you always have the first 10%. So what you're doing with tithing is you're putting God first. And then when you do that, what it does is it forces you to simplify your life and prioritize and make decisions on the other 90%. And that's what it does to us. That's the way it shapes our heart and changes us over a period of time. So tithing, put God first in every area of life. Second habit is spend time with God. I know this is revolutionary, isn't it? Spend time with God. Luke chapter five, verse 16, Jesus has just, in Luke four, he's been in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, praying and fasting and seeking God. And then Luke five, he starts his, you know, what we know is his public ministry where he's going around and preaching and teaching and healing people. And in Luke five sixteen, it says, but Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. So even, even though Jesus is going forward in his life and in his ministry, there, he regularly had this habit of drawing back to the wilderness to spend time with the Father, to spend time with his Father and just to be alone with God for prayer. He never totally left that wilderness. He, he kept coming back to that place and spending time alone with the Father. Some people talk about this practice of doing daily devotions. And all you're doing when you're doing like daily devotions is you're drawing back and you're spending time with the Father. That's what you're doing. So you're opening up his word and you're letting his word speak to you on a daily basis. And then you're praying. And all you're doing when you're praying is you're bringing to God whatever feels heavy. Literally, that's it. Just like Brad was um, reading this morning from Matthew 11, Jesus says, come to me. If whatever feels too heavy, are you tired? Are you burned out? Come to me and I'll give you rest. Philippians 4 says, don't be anxious about anything. But, but bring your request to God in, in prayer bring, and offload those things to him and the peace of God that passes understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And, and what you, you notice is as you make a habit of doing that, a habit of drawing away and spending time with God and doing that, letting his word speak to you and, and praying and letting him have whatever feels too heavy, you will notice, you will start to see God at work in your life. You'll start to see the way he's answering prayer, the way he's arranging things and providing for you and your faith will just keep growing and growing and growing because we shape our habits and then our habits have this way of shaping us. So put God first, spend time with God. The third one is get in a group. Get in a group. 
uh, Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. So the idea here is that when you are in a community of people where you are known and where you are loved and are able to be accountable and honest, the chances that you're gonna be transformed into the image of Jesus go way up. That's why we do a men's retreat. That's why we do stuff like that is because when we get together and we're around other people who are seeking Jesus together, the chances that we're gonna be transformed just go up and up and up. And so get in a group. If you haven't done that yet, um, you can go to our, our next steps area out here or online. It's really easy to do, but take that step. Those are three habits. Put God first, spend time with God and get in a group. Now, let me tell you uh, really quickly what's going through the head of every single seasoned Christian in the room right now. Everybody who's grown up in church, everybody who's you know, followed Jesus for a number of years right now is in the head of every seasoned Christian in the room, they are going, are you kidding me right now? They're rolling their eyes. I've heard this my whole life. This is what I got out of bed and came to you know, brave the windy weather to come to church for, was that really? And it's like, how elementary can you get? How basic can you get? I've heard that my whole life. Well, here's what I wanna to say to you. There's a reason you've heard it your whole life. It's because these are the habits that shape us. We shape them and then they shape us in our lives. So here's what happens. Whenever I'm talking to a seasoned Christian and they're saying, man, I just feel stuck. I feel like God's just not near me anymore. You know, I'm just not, I will, these are my go-to questions. I'll ask, well, how are you doing with these habits daily in your life, weekly, monthly in your life? And almost always I'll get some kind of answer like, um, you know, I do one of those pretty, you know, somewhat consistently, right? These, these are the things. I mean, ask yourself, are you living this out? It's heart plus habits. There's a point and then there's also a process. And that's what leads to real life change. There's some others of you in the room right now. Your head is exploding. You're looking at that list and you, all this guilt and condemnation is rushing in. You're going, oh man, I am so far away from that. I, my life is so not reflecting that. I'm not doing good. And you're feeling bad about yourself. And you're thinking, man, I gotta start doing this. I, I gotta get on it. Well, hold on. I just wanna ask you to pause for a second. Set all that guilt and everything on the shelf for a second. I wanna remind you, there's a reason why Paul talks about baptism, talks about the moment and the point where our hearts are transformed by Jesus first. And then he goes into the whole, hey, so then because of that, put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature and clothe yourself with Christ. There's a reason that he says the first one first. Because if you're just trying to do these things in your own power, you can't change your life. You can't change. People really can't change themselves and they can't change others. It's only Jesus that can change people. We have to come to that point where we come to him and we allow him to transform us and to love us and to make us into a new person. A lot of times after a baptism service like this, I will talk to someone and they will say, oh man, that was so awesome. That's gonna be me someday. I'm gonna get baptized someday. And I'll say, uh, we, it, was right, why didn't, it was right there. Why didn't you do it? And then they will say, well, here's the reason. And they'll get out like their list. You know what I mean? Their sin list. I've got a sin list. You've got a sin list. Well, you know, I've got this problem and this one. You know, once I clean this up, once I get a hold of this, eventually someday when I get to this place, then I'm gonna go get baptized. Wrong. <laughs> That's not what baptism does. That's not, it's not like you work, you change yourself, you make yourself presentable and then you're ready to get baptized. That's completely backwards. Baptism just means in, inwardly, 
you've allowed God to transform your heart, that you've allowed him to forgive you and cleanse you and give you a new life in him. We have to let him love us first and that's how we change. A couple weeks ago, um, it was actually the day right before Valentine's Day, February 13th, I was at uh, Panera Bread. I was doing some work. I was on my laptop sitting there and um, I look up and in walks this father and daughter. And the reason that they caught my attention is because the dad is dressed like in this full suit with a tie. His shoes are all shiny. I mean, he's just dressed to the nines. And his daughter who's with him, she's maybe four or five years old. She's got like this fancy, pretty dress on. And she had long hair. Somebody had clearly done a lot to work, you know, to make her hair look really nice. And he is holding her hand. And then in his other hand, he has this huge bouquet of flowers. And so they come walking in. And so I'm kind of watching this, trying not to make it look like I was staring at him, like a creeper. But I'm, I'm kind of watching this. And the first thought that goes through my head is, oh, they, they must be here to surprise mommy. Right? I mean, it's the day before Valentine's Day. They, they're all dressed up. They're probably taking mom out on a night. You know, she, she doesn't have to cook or whatever for Valentine's. Uh, so they're going to surprise mommy. And so I'm kind of watching, trying not to make it look like I'm watching. I keep looking around. They come and they sit down at a table right across from each other, very close to uh, me where I was. And I'm looking around, but mommy never shows up. And finally, they bring out their food and they set their food down in front of them. And when they do, the, the little girl, she picks up her plate and she comes around to the other side of the table and she sits down in the booth right next to her daddy. Like her feet are just like you know, underneath the table. And the two of them are sitting side by side and they're just eating their meal. He's talking to her and suddenly it dawns on me what this is. I have four boys, okay? So I don't have these moments in my life. <laughs> So it took me a while, finally, it like dawns on me. I'm like, oh, he's, he's taking her out on a Valentine's date. That's what he's doing. He's showing her what it feels like to be loved well and treated well so she will know the difference someday. That's what he's doing. So I'm sitting there and I'm watching this moment happen in between this father and daughter and I, I'm sitting there thinking about this moment right now will very likely someday lead to another moment where he will take her by the hand again and he will walk her down a different aisle to where there's a, a different man standing there waiting for her. And in that moment, if that man does not know how to love her well and treat her well, watch out. Life is going to be very, very difficult for that guy, right? because she will know the difference. She'll know the difference because once you've been loved well, you don't put up with anything else. You don't settle for anything else. And really that's how Jesus changes us. He just loves us well. He just, he gives his life on our behalf. He dies on, on the cross for our death and he says, you are worth dying for. Your value is that high. And when you've been loved well and you get it that God loved you and forgave you and has, has reconciled you and made you alive again, you don't put up with the old life. And you begin to want something different and you begin to step into these habits because it represents the life you want. This is how Paul wraps up this section. Verse 12, he says, since God shows you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. 
Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. How do I forgive somebody who offends me? Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. See, so how do we love someone else? We can only, as, as John, the writer John says, we only love because he first loved us. How do you forgive someone else? It's only when you realize how much you've been forgiven that you even have the power to do it. There's a moment, there's a heart transformation that takes place. And then there's habits, a process that unfolds in our lives that we transform and we become more and more and more like Jesus. And that's how Jesus changes people. As we go into baptism this morning, I wanna read you, um, Chris and Michelle Allard are getting baptized today. They've been coming to our church for just a little while and Chris wrote this in an email uh, about this moment. He said, since my, family is starting since my family has started attending Frontline, my life has been changed. I have committed my life to Christ. I am not the same man that I once was. I want everyone to know that my life has been transformed. God is so good. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. My friends, people can change. The best indicator of what you will do in the future is not what you have always done in the past. The best indicator of what you will do and who you will be in the future is what Jesus has done in your life. Because he's the only one that changes people. And he does. We've seen him do it again and again and again. And he is still changing lives today. 2,000 years later, after the cross and the resurrection, he's still changing lives. He's still redeeming people. He's the only thing that does. And so I want to challenge you today. Where in your life do you need to take a next step? Do you need to put one of these habits in place? Do you need to start putting God first as a habit in your life? Do you need to start spending time with the Father regularly as a habit? Do you need to get in a group? Or today, are you at a point in your life where you know, man, the only hope I have, the only way I'm gonna change is to completely surrender myself to Jesus? Maybe you've been coming for the last few weeks or, and you, you begin to understand and begin to realize how much Jesus loves you. The greatest truth we ever learn is in Sunday school. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible told me so. It's the greatest thing that we teach in church. Maybe you've come to this point where you've realized, man, Jesus loves me. He believes I'm worth dying for. And you've come to that point where you're ready to let that heart transformation that's happened inside of you. Maybe you've even come to this place where you've, you've confessed Jesus as Lord. You've, you've accepted him as Lord. And you need to take that step today to get baptized. You're ready to go public with your faith. It's a sacred moment where you make a sacred commitment. So here's what we're gonna do. The band's gonna come out now and um, we're gonna go into a time of baptism. And so uh, what's gonna happen is I'm gonna offer a prayer for us. And then um, as we sing, we're gonna uh, just have a time where we sing a song. If you came this morning and you're prepared to be baptized, what I want you to do as we're singing is I want you to get up and I want you to make your way over and just kind of hang out with us right over here on this side of the stage. As we're singing, just come right over and um, stand over here. And then as soon as we're done with that song, we're gonna start uh, baptizing people. But I wanna say something to you. Maybe if you were not prepared to get baptized today. Maybe you came, but you weren't planned. That wasn't the plan. Uh, we had somebody do this uh, in the, the first service already. So you wouldn't even be the first person to do this this morning. But if God's speaking you, and you know it's your time, you know God's calling you to get baptized, I wanna challenge you to make a bold move. I wanna challenge you 
to join those as we sing and just come right up and join us over here on this side of the stage. Uh, we've got towels and we've got um, shirts for uh, everybody who gets baptized today gets a shirt. Do not get baptized to get a shirt only. I always feel like I need to say that disclaimer just in case. But you know the heart behind that. The ba there's bathrooms over here and over here in the lobby. And, and the heart behind this is uh, we want to make it possible to, to just celebrate with you that step of just going for it. Jesus changes people. He's the only thing that does. He's the only one who does. And so if, if God has moved in your life, if he's speaking to you, if you know it's your time, get up, move with us as we sing here in a moment and go for it. Uh, don't let anything stop you, not cold weather or wind or whatever that kind of stuff is. There's a better life on the other side of it. So let me offer a prayer and then we're gonna go ahead and go for it. Lord Jesus, we just come before you in this place and we just acknowledge your power to change. You're the only one who can change us, Jesus. We can't change us, we can't change others. Uh, thank you for the new life that we have in you. And so God, I pray just for all of us in this room that just as we accepted you as Lord, that we would continue to grow our roots down in you and to build our lives on you, that you would continue to help us live the process of being shaped and transformed into your image. And, and as we do that, God, we look to you. We know that you're gonna meet us every step of the way. And we just celebrate and we thank you for redeemed lives and changed lives. We thank you for the way that you uh, don't expect us to fix ourselves, but you meet us in the midst of that. And, and you've provided a way for us. It's in Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Would you stand with us? And as, uh, as...